Well, good morning. Welcome to Lifestone Church. You guys made it here. Uh, I was kind of worried on Sundays. I, I look at the weather, and they didn't predict this, really, I don't think. It was no accumulation, whatever I looked at. We started scrambling this morning. I want to thank a bunch of guys and ladies who were out shoveling and salting and plowing and just helping. But thank you guys for being here. We're really excited. It just feels more like Christmas, right? We're just, we're in our Christmas series, and, and uh, we're just glad. I mean, it's just Utah and Texas, like, people would not even open their front door if it was doing this where, where we came from years ago, so uh, we're tougher. All right, well, we're excited this morning. Before we jump into uh, the message here, I want to give you an update on some exciting things happening when, in regard to our uh, potential relocation and uh, trying to build a, a larger facility and those kind of things. We're very excited about all of that. Some of you may know some of that information. If you're new here, you may not. Um, but what is happening this week is uh, we are sitting down with our church board and our staff, and we are uh, sitting down with, with an architect and a builder to really plan out um, what we envision God wants us to do on this new piece of land. Our new piece of land is a little over two miles up the road. We're on the same road. We're over in Harriman, just the other side of uh, Mountain View Corridor. And uh, I just ask you guys, we want to keep you guys up to date with kind of what's happening, but ask you guys to please pray for this whole process. We've been praying for it for a while. Um, and, and these are just big decisions that we're making, but we're very excited about how God's provided and, and just the direction we're headed in. So um, if you guys could do that for us. And then soon, as, as we get as any information and start to, to see renderings and pictures, we will be sharing, sharing those with you. And I think you guys will be very excited about that. All right. Hey, if you're new here this morning... <laughs> Uh, we're glad you're here, and, and if you haven't had a chance, go by the New Here section in the lobby. We've got a gift for you uh, in your program. It, it gives you a little number to text instead of filling out a card or something. We just want you to, we try to make it simple and just say text, and we'll get connected with you that way. All right, let's pray, and we'll jump in. God, we love you. We thank you for this beautiful morning. We thank you for uh, the snow, the moisture. Um, God, we thank you that uh, people arrived here safely. We pray for continued safety as we travel home after this service. Uh, God, we want to meet you in a special way here this morning. Uh, God, if there's people going through hardships and difficulties and the, the Christmas season just seems to highlight those, God, I pray your peace, your comfort, your joy would, would be a part of their Christmas season despite what they might be going through. And God, for us, uh, for other people, uh, this may be uh, just a heightened time of celebrating and remembering uh, how faithful and how amazing and the promises and the miraculous things uh, you've done through, through coming here to us. And God, thank you for coming to us. Um, God, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we're in week two of a series, and we've kind of done this series before, to be honest with you, about six, seven years ago. Um, and, and it'll be a little different this time. But I thought this was really interesting that during the Christmas time, and as a pastor, I've run into a lot of people who have favorite Christmas songs. And, and sometimes I kind of get to know them. I know their spiritual background and, and their history. And, and I find out that maybe they don't know Jesus, but they love these certain Christmas songs. And, and I'm kind of perplexed and, 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 and hopeful that maybe year after year after year, 
they'll kind of actually know what they're singing about and actually love those songs that much more. And that's our goal for this whole series, is that so often, sometimes when we just have things that we've always done and they're traditional and many of the Christmas carols we sing are, are just... Uh, they, they have some history to them, so maybe the language might be a little archaic to the way we speak, and, but we still love them, and we don't know what we're singing. And so we're looking at these Christmas carols and seeing how they reflect the truth, the biblical truth of God's Word. So today, we're going to look at, O Come, All Ye Faithful. And I'm just going to go through the first kind of chorus here. It says, O Come, All Ye Faithful. Joyful and triumphant, O come O come to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing choirs of angels, sing in exaltation. Sing, all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God, glory in the highest. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. <clears throat> She doesn't like my singing. <laughs> I should have sang, and then she would have been just fine. <laughs> Poor girl. All right. So as we look at this, really we're going to look at the first line. And, and what does this mean? O come, uh, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Those are the concepts that we're going to look at. We see these com- concepts in the Bible a lot. And what does it mean? Because it's, saying, it's making this call. We're singing about these people coming and being called, and these are the attributes in their life. And, and if you look at those things and not just, you know, oh, I love the tune and how it makes me feel, I don't know about you, I would love for that to be a description of my life. Faithful, um, joyful, and triumphant, right? How, how exciting, and what does that mean? And, and when we're singing that, why are we proclaiming those things? That's what I hope we, we discover here this morning. But first of all, O come, who is supposed to come? Who does God call? Who does Jesus call to come? And so I think this is really important to know this, because a lot of people who just have an understanding of Christianity as maybe some religious system, they, they may not view it or understand who God calls. And, and so, number one... In your program there, Jesus calls the weary and the burdened. The weary and the burdened. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus also goes on to say that his yoke, and this yoke, that's another term that we don't really use, but, but it's really his uh, system to follow or his guidelines, or, or trying to, hey, if Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my master, and I'm trying to follow you, that's the, the kind of his, uh, what he sets up as his yoke, how we follow him. He said his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. And, and I think this is interesting, as I talked about religion, if you've ever been a part of a man-made religion, um, that's not how it's described. That's not how people view it. That's not how people are, who are in it would describe it at all. Easy and light. And, and if anything, they would say, no, being a part of that makes me weary and makes me burdened, right? And Jesus recognizes that and a lot of anything else. That's worshiping a false God and a false system, but we may just worship ourselves and think we've got life figured out. And, and eventually that becomes 
burdensome and leaves us just weary. And so um, Jesus calls those people who are stuck in that kind of mindset that don't understand. And that's, that's refreshing and that's exciting because a lot of people want to put the Christian faith and put Jesus just in this category of religion. And religion is, here's the things, the system we've come up with that we think will make us right with God. And where are we in that system? And how do we work really hard in that system to get there? That's Christianity is Jesus did it all and we trust in him. And so that's where the, the yoke comes and, and, and the burden, he takes that on. Completely different. And that's who he's calling. People who are just tired. And I love that. I love meeting someone. Not that they've gone through that, but I love meeting someone who's done religion done living for themselves, done whatever, whatever other system that leaves them just exhausted, and they discover Jesus, and they discover the rest and the peace that comes through, through coming to him. And number two, Jesus calls sinners. That kind of sounds churchy, maybe kind of a Bible term that we don't use in a lot of other contexts, but a sinner is just someone who's not worthy, <laughs> someone who's a rebel. Someone who says, okay, here's God's standards and laws and what he clearly has told us to do, and I'm going to do something else. I'm smarter than God. i got life figured out more than God, or whatever it is, just going against what God has clearly called us to do, a holy, righteous God. And the Bible says we're all guilty. We're all sinners. We're all messed up. But a lot of people don't understand. They think, well, God will call me once I clean up my life because I got that part. Like I'm supposed to be better or something and, and the sin thing, like just not following God is not good. And somehow we get this twisted idea that, okay, we got to clean up our lives and then come to Jesus. No, he calls sinners. He calls you no matter where you are in the midst of it. Matthew nine twelve through 13 says, On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. For I have come not... Uh, For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And this was him addressing directly the Pharisees and these religious people who had a very religious mindset of approaching God and thought they were good with God because of their heritage and because of the way that they uh, followed Jesus, the rules that they followed, and and the knowledge I think that they had also. All those things came together to think, okay, this is who Jesus is coming from. If, if Jesus is from God, he's really coming for these people who think they've got it all figured out and think they're right with God based on those things. And Jesus was like, no, absolutely not. Uh, Romans, no, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. And that's what God does in our life, is, is he comes and he makes us right. Um, so... Let's talk about these, uh, these attributes that we sing about, okay? So who's coming? Who does Jesus call? He calls the weary and the burdened and the sinful and the broken and the messed up people like me and people like you. Yep, I'm sorry, that's you too. That's who he calls. And he doesn't say, well, clean up your act and then come to me. He cleans up our act. He does what's necessary to make us right with God. Um, so... Here's these attributes as we come that, that God does in our life, makes us faithful, makes us uh, triumphant and joyful. So number one, Jesus helps us become more faithful. Let's look at some scripture that, that shows that. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, 
the author and perfecter of our faith. And you see this concept throughout Scripture that Jesus is the one who does it all. We simply surrender. We simply put our trust in, put our faith in Jesus. And he's the one. He's the author. He begins it, and he perfects it, and he completes it. And it's Jesus that actually makes us faithful. Romans ten seventeen says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So that's one of our big goals here at Lifestone Church, is to simply proclaim the truth of who Jesus is. And know that, that we're not trying to talk you into, I, I was surprised a group the other day, and they were like, going, wait a minute, you must be wrong, Pastor Ben. I said, hey, do you know we're not called to proselytize as Christians? They were like, yeah, we are. <laughs> and that was the end of the discussion. I was like, I guess you're right. No, um, that we're called to proclaim, which is different. I think it's different. Proselytizing is, is trying to convince and trying to squeeze and trying to argue our position to kind of force people to accept something. And if we approach people in that way, often I think that those, that decision may not be a genuine one. It may not really stick. But what God's called us to do is to proclaim, to proclaim the good news and allow God to be the author of faith in people's lives and allow God to work and move and, 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 and pray for people to respond and do whatever we can to share this good news with people and not, not try to pressure them to accept it, but hope and pray that God works on them and draws them to himself. Um, Isaiah 42, 2 through 3 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you over. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I just love that passage. It's in Isaiah chapter 43. And just a really encouraging passage, and it's talking specifically to the nation of Israel and God giving this promise to them, but the principles are there of how God approaches us. (coughs) Excuse me. That no matter what we're going through, um, God is the one who brings us through. Because sometimes when we think, oh, i got to be faithful, and we depend on our own strength and our own determination and our own... Uh, you know, will to get us through and get us through, um, get us through whatever we're going through. And God gives us this beautiful promise that he's the one fighting for us and he's the one getting us through. Uh, number two, Jesus helps us become more joyful. Jesus helps us become more joyful. Um, hey, there's light. <laughs> In Galatians uh, 522. Now notice who does this. 522 in Galatians. uh, Well-known passage. We've probably talked about about it a lot. Uh, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. It's it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and uh, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. And the key in this passage is knowing, here's what we do in a religious mindset, that, that it's up to us, and somehow we're putting forth all this effort so that God would be happy with us or so that we could come to this place of producing these things. Who produces it? The Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, 
produces these things. That's clear from the very beginning. That when we're in Christ, and we, so what do we do? We allow the Holy Spirit to do that. Now, there is, I think, this, I think Scripture is clear that we can choose to not allow the Holy Spirit to, to produce this fruit in our life, even if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. And we can deny the Holy Spirit, you know, in seasons of our life or whatever. But if the Holy Spirit's in us, how do we get the Holy Spirit in us? By simply putting our trust and faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and that's part of the, the stamp that God puts in our life, that this is a child of mine. This is someone who's put their faith and trust in me. This is a person whose, lamb, whose book is in uh, the Lamb's Book of Life, and nothing can take that away so much so I'm going to put the Holy Spirit as a stamp in their life. But we can, even with the Holy Spirit in our life, just uh, ignore and try to push away and go back to just operating under our own strength but, it, but we have this option, if you're a believer, to allow the Holy Spirit to produce these fruits. So it's not, and I know some people will take this as a checklist. Now, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I'm going to check, check these things off and make sure these things are in my life. No, it's actually at a surrender and just saying, okay, it's more letting, letting control be in God's hands of your life than you trying to control this situation, which is hard for many of us, right? But that's one of the huge attributes that God gives us is joy. I, I, uh, you know, being in ministry for a long time, um, I'm so old. I've been in ministry for years and actually have like year after year. It's getting, getting, you know, I'm like, wow, like 25 years. I've been, I think I've been on staff at church somewhere. Is that right? Am I that old, honey? No, not quite. 20, 20 years. Um, anyways, uh, man, if, if this is true, we should be the most joy-filled people on the planet. And sometimes I hear that preach, and like, then it makes you feel more guilty, and you're not as joyous. So that's kind of funny. But, but just in a positive, encouraging way, man, if this is true... Uh, joy should be something. And, and here's the thing with joy. So we have to walk through what that means because many of you, I know some of your situations right now, you're going through some horrible, difficult, challenging things right now or you see them very uh, close into your future. So, so, Ben, how am I supposed to be joyful in the midst of this, 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 you know, whatever those things might be? And, and this may, I hope this doesn't sound too cliche, but I think it's true because uh, it, it is kind of a cliche, but I think the reason it's a cliche is because it's true. Happiness depends on happenings, right? Or happenstances, your circumstances, what you're going through. But joy depends on Jesus. And, and so what does that look like? How does that play out? Uh, Luke 2.10, as we look at a Christmas passage, it talks about uh, this in, in uh, and 11. says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And I love that because they're like, something's happening, and God's at work, and he's doing something, and people's first reaction to God is, I'm afraid. I'm scared. And that's how a lot of people live their lives. Like, I'm afraid of what I'm going through. I'm afraid of my circumstances. I'm afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow. And we get this comforting assurance from a, from, uh, you know, a proclamation from God. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause Great joy for all people. This is for all people. What Jesus has done is sufficient for all people. 
um, and extended, and the invitation to accept that is for all people. Uh, Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And I just love that that is the response. You're afraid, you're scared, you're frightened, you don't know what's happening. Jesus brings incredible joy. Uh, One of the most joyful days of my life was when I got married. (laughs) My wife gave me a weird smirk. I better take a drink for that. And I don't say that as a cliche or I'm supposed to say that. I couldn't believe that this amazing woman would marry me. Um, I adore my wife, if you, some of you guys who know me know that. And I wake up every day, almost every day, and (laughs) just think, wow, how in the world uh, could this amazing woman have married me? And I knew that when I got married. Like, I got married, and that day, I was like, she's still going forward with this. This is crazy. What is she thinking, you know? Uh, she could marry any guy she wanted, really. And, and, she's, and I was so excited, and what gave me such a confident joy in my life, uh, be, uh, reflecting on that day, was I'm like, she can't get out of this. I know that sounds funny. I'm not even trying to be funny. It's just like she, because I know how she viewed marriage. And I knew what that meant to her. And I knew that this was a lifelong commitment. She stuck with me. This ama- I mean, my dream woman is stuck with me. I kind of felt like I was in a dream. Like, wake up, Ben. What's it? Come on. You know. And, and, and then she married me. And, and man, we... we we haven't, we've gone through a lot of ups and downs, and, um, you know, I have been in ministry for 20 years. Ministry can be really, I don't mean to sound like a pity party up here, but go talk to, I feel very blessed, uh, but, you know, talk to ministers, you look at some stats of things they go through, it's, it, it can be really challenging and hard, and, um, and, and, and we've had, you know, our ups and downs with things, but, but there's this constant, like I said, honestly, waking up going, this amazing woman's married to me. And she has a view that that's a lifelong commitment. And that kind of stability of relationship of this amazing person gives me incredible joy. And at the end of this life, you know what that, our vows were based on God's word? That we were committed for each other until death. And so death is something that can end that. Um, we always fight. You guys do this as couples. Who's going to die first, you know? And we try to figure out, like, who, who, no, it'd be better if you died. No, it'd be better if I died first. Yeah, you know, you guys do that. Why do we talk about that so much? Uh, you better die first, because I don't know how to program the remote control or something silly, right? Um, but whatever that day is, I'm guessing maybe she might be a little sad that day. Um, but if she dies before me, like, that'll be incredibly painful and, and hard. And, and there will be, you know, some, you know, it'll be just a really challenging thing. And our relationship will cease to be what it is. Jesus taught us about what marriage is like in heaven, that we aren't married in heaven. And, and that discourages some people. But here's the thing. As much as I adore and think I won the lottery when it came to getting married, um, our marriage Kristen, pluck your ears real quick. Our marriage isn't perfect. No one's marriage is perfect, right? 
No one's marriage is perfect, but we will have a perfect relationship in heaven. And so don't, don't be dis- dissatisfied somehow with some idea that, oh, no, I won't be married in heaven. No, your relationship with whoever you were married to will be better. Okay? Heaven will not be disappointing. That's one thing I can absolutely promise you with all the kind of trying to figure out what, how God is describing heaven and what it's going to be like. Eh, I don't know, but it won't be disappointing. We will be in the presence of Jesus in a perfect place with perfect relationships with people who love God and in and, and, and a worshipful setting of worshiping him forever. Um, so all that to say... Uh, of course, the joy that Jesus brings is the fact that he introduces us to a relationship with him that goes beyond this life. I mean, as excited as I am about my marriage with Kristen and everything and, and what that means and the joy it's brought in my life, there is a greater relationship that, that I have with God through Jesus. And that is something that goes beyond as he's conquered death, as he, this goes beyond this life. And so just knowing that and the beauty of that, no matter what life throws at us, and I know we know this, but we need to hear it and we need to say it more. No matter what we go through, the greatest difficulties, and I love that God gives us so many examples of people who have gone through crazy difficulties. No matter what life throws at us, this is temporary. And the relationship that we have with a God who loves us more than we could ever begin to comprehend is forever and for sure and solid, and nothing can take that away. Um, so that's the kind of joy, despite, no, despite our circumstances, that that kind of uh, solid uh, understanding of that relationship brings us joy, among other things. Num- number three, Jesus makes us triumphant. Um, I'm convinced that every, everybody's competitive. Because a lot of people oh, I'm not very competitive. And I think they're probably just talking about sports or something. Because you think about all the things we're competitive about. We're, we're competitive about, I had to make a list. Uh, if you're not into sports, like I was thinking, who's the most unathletic person that I've ever come across? Ah, my sisters. Okay. <laughs> oh, not my son. <laughs> okay, inside joke. No one else is laughing. All right. Not, not Jackson, my son. <clears throat> hey. Um, love you, buddy. Uh, but, but my sisters were like state champions in debate. I mean, you want to, you see a competitiveness come out, go to a debate meet, you know, um, or even people are like, no, I'm not competitive at all. No, I don't care about politics or trying to argue my point and I have to be right or whatever. Um, and they'll, but then go watch them watch, uh, the Academy Awards or something. You know, and they're like, oh, my movie better win or whatever those all those seasons of awards are. You know, God has just made us and gifted us in different ways. So if you're into arts, if you're into politics, if you're into academic stuff, if you're into sports, if you're into like there's just tons of competitiveness like we want to win. And, and I think we're kind of wired by God to to want triumph, <laughs> to want to win, to want to be a part of something that is going to triumph ultimately as we're made in the image of God. And, and we're promised that, that, that we're people who, who um, were a part of winning. 
um, and we just want to win in life. But to have a healthy perspective about that, everything else that we want to win at is temporary, right? All the other things that, oh, my candidate better win, or my team better win, or my whatever better win. Um, And we put everything in there. And I think we do, skipping back to joy. Like if your team that you've been a huge fan of for years and years wins it all, right? You're like so excited for a year. And most likely what will happen is they'll lose the next year, right? (laughs) Not always. There's some incredible dynasties. And then those can even set you up for bigger failure. I can tell you of teams that win year after year the championship, and then they go into a nosedive, and then, ah, the disappointment and the pain. And and when we sing our Christmas carols about a God who triumphs, (laughs) this isn't a back-and-forth thing. This isn't a seasonal thing. This is the ultimate victory that God has, first of all, in his character of who he is. That he's not some God that, you know, is going to, like, he's not, he doesn't read, like, self-improvement God books. He doesn't get better or something, right? He is God eternally, and his eternal characters of holiness and, and righteousness and, and uh, unconditional love and perfection and all these things um, are, are constant, will never change, have never changed. And there is triumph in worshiping and knowing and being connected to God and what he's done and what he's doing. Um, a few verses that I, I thought reflected this. Um, and basically, no, actually I'm skipping those verses, uh, is, is why we want to win Jesus. And we, we sang it earlier. That's the notes I was trying to look at my chicken scratches I was writing as we sang about a God through Jesus who has ultimately triumphed. He's triumphed over sin and death. Everything that ultimately gives us pain and heartache, he has triumphed over that. The separation of the relationship that God created us to have with him, there is an absolute triumph and win in that department when it comes to what Jesus has done for us. Um, And here's how you win. How you accept that and, and be a part of a winning team. First um, John 5, 1 through 5, it says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Do you see that there's a qualification for becoming a child of God? The Bible talks about us being adopted into God's family. This is not an automatic thing that somehow we are just God's children. We're all God's creation, and he loves his creation. And we're his creation. He's a perfect God. We're we're beautiful in his sight. But um, there is those who are in God's family are those who believe in Jesus, put their trust in Jesus. They become children of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. And then here's big encouragement, and 1 John's a big encouragement to just love. Like, here's how crazy much God loves you, and so we should love in response. So it's reflecting on, hey, because we know how much we've loved, how much we're a part of God's triumphal victory in our lives, we should love especially those who are part of God's family as well. Verse 2, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commands. So, so that's, an, that's a response to we follow and trust God and follow his commands because of who he is and what he's done. Loving God means keeping his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. 
They're out of love for us. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So you are wired to want to win. And some of you guys might think, sometimes we just do it in our career, right? Sometimes we just do it with our neighbor. Like, I'm winning. I'm better at shoveling snow. I've got better vehicles in my driveway. I've got a bigger boat in my driveway. I've got better Christmas lights on my house. I, like, threw a couple things on the porch and plugged them in. And I felt like failure, right? We just want to win. And God's word says, ultimately, only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God win this, this, this ultimate battle because God has won the battle between good and evil. God has, has uh, ultimately taken care of the greatest problem that we have, which is sin, uh, through his son, Jesus. What we're going to look at next week is away in the manger. And what I love about looking at this whole concept is how we view Jesus. And some of us so often... And this gives me flashback is, I'm just going to say it, to Talladega Nights. Some of us want to make Jesus just this cute little tiny baby that can't deeply impact our, our lives. And the picture that we get, get of Jesus is this triumphal king. And what we should be picturing in our mind is a Jesus, a returning king. And so we're going to look at some pictures of what that looks like because I know it's comfortable and it's cute and it's cattly to look at just baby in the manger, Jesus in the manger, and not allow Jesus to really impact our lives in a powerful way. In Isaiah 45, 18, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. We're going to look at some of those attributes. Prince of Peace. Of the greatest of his government, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. And I ended with that because that points to the ultimate triumph of what God is doing and what Jesus uh, will establish. And we're called to pray and to look forward to that. I'm going to ask the band to come forward. And they... We're going to celebrate and sing this last, uh, this Christmas carol. We haven't sung it yet. So we're going to sing it. And I hope and I pray, I think they're around. Where are they? Come on up, band. (laughs) Um, Slackers. (laughs) As they come up, (laughs) these three... And sing. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. Um, like Ben, you're usually way more long-winded. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I don't know. Be nice. They worked hard this morning, shoveling snow and, and cleaning off uh, cars. So, but as we sing, I love the end of this chorus. The end of this chorus, as as we sing, is the response that we adore him because. And and let me put this last slide up as as these guys get going. I really thought I didn't phrase this very well, and I didn't like the outline, but it was in on Thursday, and I had a busy week, and I was like, that's not how it is. So, so cross out some of these things if you're making notes, okay? Because it's not that Jesus kind of gives us a boost to make us more faithful, and it's somehow through our effort and Jesus' effort combined, somehow we're faithful before God. Nope, it's the, 
perfect faithfulness of Jesus that we're given a gift into our lives through faith. It's not somehow that, that you know, Jesus makes us a little bit more joyful. We are given. He, he is our joy. Jesus is our joy. And it's not that, that, you know, we can be triumphal because of our effort and our wonderfulness, and then we add a little Jesus into the mix. That's a twisting of maybe a Christian uh, picture or something which isn't accurate to Scripture, that it is Jesus alone that makes us triumphant. And so we have all the completeness of being faithful and joyful and triumphant because Jesus is completely joyful and triumphant and uh, faithful. And we put our trust in him, and we're given this incredible gift of those things in our life.